0: everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. Happy Easter. Would you help me welcome all of our first-time guests? We're so glad to have you guys with us here in the room, as well as those of you online. Man, can I just tell you, if you are here for the first time, we are so honored that you would spend Easter with us. Uh, You know, Easter for those who follow Jesus, like, this is one of our biggest celebrations of the year. Uh, It's either Easter or Christmas, whichever one you like the music best for. And, uh, you know, I mean, really, it kind of comes down to that because these are our two greatest days. And I just think it's so important that we have a celebration. That's what it is, like massive celebration. And I mean, look at some of you. He's got a tie on. I've got a vest and a jacket. I mean, and and some of you, like, you're color-coded with your whole family, like, I don't even recognize some of you. Like, you're like, man, we're having a party today. Cause you know, other Sundays, Grace Life were a little bit of a uh, come as you are, be relaxed, God sees you all seven days of the week kind of church kind of thing. <laughs> and, and the other Sundays of the year, though, some of you like, you come to church with flip flops that you should have retired three years ago, <laughs> short pants, looks like you did the yard in yesterday. Matter of fact, sometimes I think if you got pulled over on the way to church and you're like, sorry, officer, I'm late for church, he'd look at you and go, liar, you're getting a ticket. (laughs) Ain't no church letting you in dressed like that. And then comes Easter and look at you. I mean, like, woo, it's a party. We're all dressed up. Speaking of party, uh, celebration, my wife, man, she spent all day yesterday getting ready. Because, again, you go to church every Sunday, but, you know, lunch, some Sundays, I'll be honest, I'll, I'll preach all day. I'll, I'll call my wife or text her on the way home, what's for lunch? She's like, There's leftovers. Not a good reward for preaching. I think I preached better than that, babe. But today, just so you know, she spent yesterday marinating. We're having roasted leg of lamb with mint jelly at the current home today. So, you know, I mean, it's a celebration. And the reason that Easter is like this massive celebration for us is because th- this is the day that like a weight is lifted off of our souls, right? I, I mean, like the biggest problem we're ever going to have, the-, the-, the point where we're going to have to stand before God and, and hope that, like we're in a good standing with him, we know Easter solved that problem for us. We, we don't ever have to have that fear and that worry and that anxiety like, what is it gonna be like on the day I die? We get to like, whoo, man, I can't wait to die because like heaven's gonna be awesome. You know what I'm saying? Is that, is that weight lifted? Kind of like, if, if there are teenagers in the room, you don't know what this feels like yet. But everybody else who graduated high school, you remember that moment where you threw the hat in the air and out of the corner of your eye, you saw your algebra teacher in the stand and you went, <laughs> Whoo! Never going to algebra class again in my life. Like you can't pay me much less. I have to. You know what I'm saying? It's like those of you that have retired, anybody in here retired ever? <clears throat> there we go. A couple of, stop raising your hand. You work beside me. Your office is next to mine. He tries that every service. And it's at that retirement party where you look around the room and realize, I never really liked any of you. I never have to see you again. That's what Easter is like this celebration because here's the truth Jesus is alive come on somebody right heaven is real and you can go hell is still real and you don't have to go and that's what we're celebrating and and it's such an incredible event you know but I I realize there are some of us that that maybe this is kind of a new thing for us maybe uh, church is not an every week sort of thing and so uh, I believe God's got something special and kind of off the beaten path to talk about today. But before we go there, could we just take a moment and remind ourselves what this weekend is all about? So if we could jump back a little bit in time and just look at the scripture of what was happening this day, approximately 2,000 years ago. And so if you can remember, it was on Thursday evening, Jesus sat down to have dinner with his closest friends, his his closest disciples. And uh, he said some stuff that just kind of had them a little off their, like, what is he talking about? This is weird. Like, Jesus, you're not making any sense. What is all this? The son of man must be lifted up. Like, I, I don't get it. And what is this you're talking about? But you'll be, I, I, don't, I don't understand. And then, of course, it was only a few hours before he was arrested. and And then the next morning, he was being carried off to be crucified. And by the afternoon, he was dead. And then, at that point, you can imagine all the disciples just being utterly confused. I mean, like totally confused, might even wanna say disillusioned and just at a loss for what have I been doing for the last three years of my life? All day Saturday and then Sunday morning. That's what we're here for, right? Sunday morning. And so check this out, this is what happened. It said, but on the first day of the week, that was Sunday, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. I'm a nerd when it comes to the Bible, and I love all these cool little things that you may not see or realize are happening there. So I love to share them with you. And this is one of those really cool moments. I also love prophetic signs, by the way. And, and so here's what's happened. It says they took the spices they had prepared. The reason for that is because when Jesus died on a Friday afternoon, as soon as the sun set, it was their Sabbath. And the Sabbath was a really big deal for the Jews. They dared not work on the sabbath like that that got you in trouble with god and their opinion like you couldn't you just couldn't mess up the sabbath so here's jesus he's dead so they're like well what are we going to do we're just going to lay him in the tomb and come back later because they had not prepared the body to stay there That's was really cool yeah that's what we missed in that part because you had to prepare the body with certain spices to be able to stay in the tomb for long term so they're putting jesus in the tomb and they're saying but he's not prepared to stay here they have no clue what they're saying and so, all Friday night, all day Saturday, you know, some of the disciples are like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? And it's some of the ladies that were closest to him, some that he had done the most transformation in their lives, that they're saying, but we've gotta get the spices. Look what he did for us. We've gotta do this for him in his final moment. So, they go on Sunday morning to finally prepare his body to actually stay in the tomb. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And in case you're reading a really weird version of the Bible, that was not Elvis and Elton John. (laughs) They were angels, actually. And the angels, because they were frightened and they bowed their faces, the ladies were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. The angels said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here but he is risen, and that is what today is all about. That's what we're celebrating, is that our Lord, yes, he died because he paid for our sins, but now he is alive, and we get to celebrate that every single day, to be honest, of our lives. I came in this morning and said, I talked to Jesus this morning, the tomb is empty. And that's really cool, because you and I, every single day, we get to get up and talk to Jesus. At every moment, lunch, traveling, driving, whatever you're doing, the tomb is empty. And the last sentence of this is what I want to share with you before we go on and actually get into the message. The angel said, remember how he told you that the Son of Man, that was Jesus' favorite term for himself. And he said, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And I, I underlined those three things because what I wanted you to see, especially if you're new to church or you're new to following God or Maybe uh, even if you've been to church a lot, I actually have talked to some folks this week, said they've been going to church for Easter for a long time. They're not really sure they could explain what that's about. Jesus is alive. That's all they kind of could say. But that last sentence, if you'll put that back on the screen there, it actually explains the entire foundation of our faith. It explains every piece of what we are here to celebrate today. So the first thing that you see underlined there is delivered into the hands of sinful men. It's not talking about all humanity. It's literally talking about some evil guys, some bad men. And the reason this was so important is because Jesus was innocent. If he were not delivered into the hands of some evil men who had no scruples and were more concerned about what they wanted, then he would have never died on the cross. Matter of fact, the Roman officials that were were doing the trial and kind of investigating Jesus and, and saying, well, here's what I found. I found nothing wrong. He's innocent. But because this Roman official was more concerned with losing his own neck, if the people rioted, that he gave the people whatever they wanted just because of popular opinion. Had to be delivered into the hands of sinful men. If he were delivered into the hands of a a fair man, a righteous man, an equitable man, he would not have been killed. Which leads to the next thing. It says, and he was crucified, meaning he did have to die. The penalty for sin is death. Blood has to be shed in order to pay for sins. And so Jesus was crucified on the cross, happened to be the most torturous and barbaric form of killing that humanity had come up with. And as Jesus died on the cross, then when his account gets to heaven, an innocent man died. His blood was shed, his body broken. He had no sins to pay for because he was a perfect man, he was God in the flesh. And because of that, his blood then went to our account, every single one of us. That's really cool. And that means that we're forgiven. And never again are we gonna have to worry about what it means to stand in front of God. But then the third part is super awesome because it doesn't just leave us dead but forgiven, it leaves us with eternal life. Because Jesus rose by the supernatural power of God Almighty that you and I know that we too can have eternal life. That one sentence is the foundation of everything we believe. It is the entire weekend that we're celebrating right now all culminated together, right? And that's what this celebration is all about. The good news that we have been forgiven and we are going to heaven. Now, the problem I have with every Easter is that I know that there are a lot of people in the room who say, well, honey, we already know what he's gonna preach about. Jesus is alive pretty sure that's what the pastor's gonna talk about. That's what Easter's all about. Matter of fact, truthfully, a lot of you come to Easter almost like you go to a friend's birthday party. Like, well, it's a party, we're gonna have fun, I hope the desserts will be cool, but it's not for me, it's for my friend. Like, I'm just going for my friend. For me, I intend to get nothing out of it, it's not my party. But I think today, God wants to meet every single person here and do something new in your life. So if you are new to church, you're you're new to this whole idea of, is there a God? My first prayer for you is that today you are, already have been, and will continue to experience God's presence. That's that's just the number one thing we pray for here at Grace Life. As soon as you drive onto this property, you realize you're not in Kansas anymore, as they said in the movie, right? Like, man, something is different, honey. This is not the way our living room feels. This This is not the way my workplace feels. Like, there's something about this place. And someday you'll find out that something is the presence of God. That's what you're encountering. Maybe some of you, what God's gonna do in your life today is finally bring you to that step where you say, I surrender. I want Jesus to be the king of my life. I want something different for myself. But again, I'd venture to say because we're in the Bible Belt and church is crowded today that the majority of you statistically would say, I'm here because I already would call myself a Christian. And so I'm just here for the party. It's not my party, but it's a party, so I'm here. But I think God wants to do something for you too. And follow this. You're already forgiven. You will go to heaven. What does Easter have to do with today and tomorrow? And I think this is the part of the Easter story that we miss so much. Yes, you are forgiven. Yes, you will go to heaven. But there is something God is still doing in your life today, even for those of you that think you're at somebody else's party. And so our main passage, what I think God really wants to talk to us about today is a very, very simple little verse. And it says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. If any one of us is in Christ, we we are a new creation. It means that the old has passed away. The version of us before we met Jesus, it's gone. And behold, there is a brand new version of us. And the best part, it's all not of our own doing. All of this is from God, who through Christ actually reconciled us to him. We were broken. We were separated from him. He did it all to make it all right. And once again, I told you I'm a Bible nerd, so I'm gonna keep being a nerd if that's okay with you. Because as you notice there, we underline those words, a new creation. The the words creation, there's more than one word for this and more than one way that it's used in the original language where the Bible was written. And so there are two cool things you need to know about how it is used right here. Number one, it means that something is now made that never existed before. Never existed before. The version of you after you make Jesus your king never existed before. God is doing something totally different. You are not that same person, which leads to the second cool thing about that word. This word is used exclusively of what God is doing. You can't use this form of the word to talk about what a man was doing if he's in his wood workshop over there and he's making a chair. You can't say the same word for, oh, look at the chair you created. It's a different form of the word. This word means exclusively what God is doing and God is making something he has never ever made before. You are completely different, or at least we're supposed to be, right? That's kind of the point here. So here's the, the deal that we need to understand is your life was never meant to be the same because of Easter. Your life was never meant to be the same because of Easter. And again, not just going to heaven, right? Forgiven because Jesus died for you. That's Friday in this story 2,000 years ago going to heaven because Jesus rose again. That is Sunday in the story 2,000 years ago. But you being a totally different creation because of what God is doing, that is today in your story right now and tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. And the truth is, I think this is what a lot of people who would say they are a Christian, They would call themselves a Jesus follower. I think this is what a lot of people really don't understand. And I'll tell you why. It's a little anecdotal, but as a pastor, I I talk to people in between Easter and Easter, in between Easter and Christmas, in between Christmas and Easter. And, and, And it seems that on those other days, the days where we're not making leg of lamb and celebrating and and having a choir on stage and everything that somehow, even though we are still forgiven, we're still going to heaven, Jesus is still on the throne, we suddenly are very disillusioned. And we're struggling with some things in life and we don't smile like we do on Easter or Christmas. We're feeling something. And what we're feeling is that which we know is not the way it's supposed to be. You see, let me promise you something. There is absolutely no part of your life that Jesus wants to leave as is. Thank you for the two of you that got that. (laughs) There is absolutely no part of your life that Jesus wants to leave as is. Think about the things you buy as is, like Goodwill. (laughs) You know, you buy something at Goodwill, like it's going to have a scratch on it, might even have a crack in it, and it might be broken, and that's just too bad because they don't have new ones in the back. They're not going to swap it out. It is as is. This is as good as it gets, right? Anybody ever bought a used car? As is. You know, you go out, you walk up, and there's a little tag, just big check mark, usually in bright red. As is. They even highlight yellow, like right beside that. There is no warranty. They might as well write on the window beside it. Good luck with this one.
1: <laughs> it's
0: all downhill from here best condition it's ever going to be in. There's probably something wrong with it. We want nothing to do with that. It's on you. And the problem is we think that's our life. Like, okay, you buy the used car, you're happy you got your car, but it is all downhill because it is as is. And we think, okay, great. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm going to heaven. But now it's going to stay here, kind of suffer a little bit, kind of hang out, kind of going to keep struggling with some of the things that I've been dealing with us. And and most of us think like that the marriage is never gonna get better. This struggle, this habit I've been trying to break, never gonna break it. Always gonna be broke. I mean, again, insert whatever you're thinking right there. But that is not what God wants to do because there is no part of your life that Jesus wants to leave as is. My oldest son just bought a house and very, very soon here in a couple of months, will be leaving my home and off my payroll. Can I get an amen for people who know what it's like when your children pay their own bills? You know what I'm saying? Now, some of y'all are full-fledged, empty nesters. I'm just working on number one of four. I got a ways to go here, but whoo! I mean, 25% of the way, that's that's, that's pretty good, right? And if you're wondering like, why why a couple of months? Because the house my son bought was one of those as-is deals. And the problem with his as-is deal is you could not live in this house as it was. I mean like whew. we're getting all kinds of stories from the neighbors of what actually happened there. Uh, one of them is that it was uh, like the people just moved out, turned all the water on and left. You know, that kind of, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All the kitchen floors and all the bathroom floors totally rotted through. Like walk in and say, oh, there's dirt under the house. You know, that kind of thing. Like it was, it was bad. So we spent like two or three months undoing all of the stuff. We got one of the stories that maybe the owner died in the house. I don't know. Hope not. Uh, it definitely, <laughs> definitely looks like there were some animals that lived in the house for about six months. Yeah, and I'm not going to talk about that anymore uh, today at church. But uh, the point to that is, in order for him to eventually be able to live in this house, we had to tear most of the old stuff out. And, and by the time he's done with it, it's going to be a, a completely new house, like every surface, like new sheetrock, new floors, new paint. New lights, new light switches, new plugs, new, new cabinets, new, new appliances, like new everything. And the reason I'm telling you that, because I know you don't care about his house, is because people walk into it who have seen it before and go, whoa. Like this isn't even the same house it was before. And that's what Jesus is doing in your life, or at least supposed to. Here's the truth. Because of Easter, you don't have to be who you were. And you don't have to stay who you are. You don't have to deal with this addiction the rest of your life. You don't have to deal with this habit the rest of your life. You don't have to be angry all the time. You don't have to be sad all the time. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to feel trapped. I I could keep going, but I think I'd make you all sad on Easter. You get the point. You don't have to be who you were you don't have to stay who you are. A couple of years ago, I renovated my own house. and I'm not going to tell you another house story, I promise. But it does mean I apparently have a hobby I need to get rid of. Because <laughs> I'd really like to spend a Saturday on my porch watching birds. But uh, anyway, the reason I'm telling you that, not to tell you the house story, but we started out with just thinking it was time to update our kitchen took a vacation. We knew he'd kind of get it all taken care of. Maybe there'd be some details to deal with later. My dad was a contractor, so I'd seen a few things as I was growing up, knew a little bit, not a whole lot. Turns out, as I started, I discovered I knew even less than I thought. And so we did the kitchen, and then we turned around and looked at the rest of the house, and we, oh no, that won't do. And so what came out of that was a two-year process of Virtually everything in our house becoming new because we kept finding stuff that didn't keep up with the new stuff And then we kept finding problems and and broken pipes and and then I would break some pipes and and things like that and Well, the reason I'm telling you that story is because what ultimately was happening in my life as we got into this Is I would get to a point where I would simply wake up? Right out of a dead sleep like and I would find myself taking the biggest breath I could because I was filled with anxiety And you need to know I'm not a person who has anxiety normally. That's just not something that's a, a regular part of my life. So this was new. It was a new struggle for me. And I would wake up with this anxiety because I realized, like, this is on me. You know, I'm the one that cut all the water to our kitchen. I'm the reason there are no pipes there. Like, so it's on me to solve it. And and I've got a wife and children going, Daddy, why can't I take a shower? You know, that kind of thing. Like, there's a problem and I have to solve it. And and the more the problem kept going, the more I realized I can't really handle this. There is too much for me to do. And I would just wake up totally overwhelmed. And I think that's the way most of us feel about our lives. Like, we look in the mirror and we say, I I can't do this. I can't fix this. Like, I, I don't know what to do. There are not enough Band-Aids in the world for what I see when I look. The coolest thing happened. I shared a little bit of that story one Sunday, kind of like I am now, that there was some reason that it was relevant. After I preached, I was standing in the lobby, and some guy walked up to me and said, Hi, I'm Carl. That's nice. (laughs) Not all of you have introduced yourself yet. I thought that was kind of him. And he said, I'm a contractor, and remodeling is my favorite thing to do. And I went, oh, that's really nice. (laughs) And he said, "Um, I have nothing to do on Saturdays. Would you like me to come and help you? And I went, you're my new best friend. (laughs) And Carl sincerely spent probably every Saturday for the next year and a half at my house. Yeah, free. Free. And if I would wake up with anxiety, I would just have to realize, like, relax, Jimmy. Carl's got it. <laughs> I'm serious. That's not even, like, a story I'm making up. Like, I knew he would know how to do it. I knew he would solve it. And there were a few times I did what teenagers do with their parents. Like, I don't think I can. And I don't, can you show me how that goes? <laughs> and you just stand back and watch him do it, you know. And, and, and Carl took all the anxiety of my house project away. Here's what I want you to get out of that. I hope you got it already. You're not in this alone. And you don't have to fix everything in your life. Matter of fact, you can't. You didn't know that. You can't. You see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus started saying some confusing stuff. Like, I'm gonna die, but don't worry, I won't stay dead. And then I'm gonna go to heaven, but... I won't leave you alone, so don't worry. What do you mean you're not gonna leave us alone? And Jesus is like, well, well Peter, you remember when you and I, we went there and James was over here saying, where's Jesus? Not gonna be like that anymore. Because although I'm going to heaven, I'm gonna put my spirit inside of every single one of you and you are never gonna be alone again. He puts his spirit in us. So when we look in the mirror and go, oh my gosh, there is too much to fix. The Holy Spirit says, I got it. You don't have to be who you were. You don't have to stay who you are because you are a new creation exclusively. Y'all put that back on the screen, the verse we were looking at earlier. Exclusively the work of God. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Yeah, you're forgiven. And yeah, you're going to heaven. What about tomorrow morning? Like some of you are going to work. Some of you are going back to school. Spring breaks over, sorry to tell you. You don't have to go back to who you were before Jesus. We are a new creation. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. I guess that means a movie is worth a million. Either way, we'll find out. I'd like to share a story with you of somebody who said, we're not gonna do life as is. Jesus means more than that. If you would, turn your attention to the screens.
1: Hi, I'm Joseph Shannon House.
2: And I'm Jaquel Shannon House. And this, this is, is our story.
1: story. So we met, uh, I just got back off of deployment. We was both was in the military. And during that time, someone was eyeballing me.
2: Well, it wasn't just like I was eyeballing you. So my version of the story is that we met. um she was I did, me. Well, I did notice him. And so his last name is, is unique, Shannon House. And when I met him, um, I was like, What's to do with your last name? I was like, Do you have, is that your mom and dad's last name? Is it a hyphen missing on your name? Like, what's happening? And he Shannon like,
1: House, all one word. And he
2: was like, That's what he said. And um, we got married November 5th, 2011. Yes. Um, we found out we were pregnant with Jakira in December of twenty eleven. So we definitely didn't get to have the honeymoon phase. No, just... no,
1: no, no, that got instantly filled with the child. child. Yeah.
2: And we had a lot of we had a lot of issues, just like any newlywed, but we came into this relationship not saved. We were church going people, but we were not we had no a relationship with Christ. And
1: so with that being said, when we when we married. The foundation of our marriage was built off of sin, you know. It was built off of drinking, partying, um, sex. Um, For us, we we was doing everything. We
2: we threw around the words like divorce, like it was candy, you know, Mm -hmm. because we we didn't understand we didn't understand you know so <laughs> it just like so it's me and him now we're living in Fort Linnwood we have no family close um by we don't know anybody yet mm-hmm. we started going to one church and it was just because we were so trained but we were just still sitting there and nobody really we didn't do anything we just went to church mm-hmm. went to pews and went home and just continued doing whatever we Yeah it was Wait, a check the it type thing block. so long story short we went to visit this church Um, right outside of the gate in Fort Leonard Wood and we walk in and the first day transformation started happening started learning about who Jesus was Mm -hmm. up until this point I think I was 24, 25 Mm -hmm. 26 maybe I had no clue why Jesus had died on the cross so I'm going my 25 plus years of life before celebrated Easter not knowing what that meant and so we um Things started changing.
1: Yeah.
2: And at that time, I don't know if the devil didn't want us to grow, or he knew it was about to happen. Like our fight started getting worse at home.
1: It's funny to me now, but she she always could tell when I had too much to drink, and I was always trying to mask it. So she'll say, I can tell when you're drunk or you had too much. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, every time you talk, your head shakes. I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: My exactly how that's shaking. exactly how he was looking. <laughs> you know.
1: I would say an alcoholic. Um, A functioning one.
2: Yeah. Like (laughs) I'll I'll drink on the job. cigarettes. Yeah, smoke
1: cigarettes, drink on the job. Look, because of God, because of the resurrection, because of the new life now that I'm walking, those things have passed away.
2: And I had started having transformations in my heart just where I knew that Jesus was not just this figure pie in the sky idea he was becoming real to me and i remember when we started coming here for the first time they used to sing that song all the time um and i ran out of that that song would make me go nuts in there because Mm -hmm. i lived that like i i know what it was like to have a life wrapped up in in Mm -hmm. grave clothes and to be called out like i have heard my name by jesus called out and I ran out of the grave. Like, I know what it feels like. So that song was just like my testimony. It was. When they said baptism, I was like, well, I've been baptized before, but I don't want to get baptized now, for real. And um, I asked him, I was like, do you want to get baptized again with me? (laughs) He said, no. No. And when it was my turn, I got underwater alone. And then out of nowhere, Joe got, he just came running up in his clothes. Like, and I think he magically had on basketball shorts and a T-shirt, but he disappeared beside me. And like, I don't even think I realized it when I went down, but when I came up and we looked at each other and it's like tears just started flowing and we just grabbed each other. and We just, we hugged. we hugged and we, we hugged. had this moment. When
1: we came out of the water together, together, as one walking in a nudist. That's when the foundations, it was almost like a demolition to the foundations that we We built our marriage off of. And God was being replaced. It was Christ was being replaced to the foundations, and from that point it's we like started even our, our building.
2: Stuff started changing yeah. like the way the shows we watched. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the. We didn't want to watch them anymore. The music we listened to, we didn't want to hear it yeah. anymore.
1: Our language. Um, our, our language, language changed.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't talk the same. We didn't sound the same. God started making up for all the years that we had lost. He just was restoring. It's like I look at Joe now today. The way Joe his face looks different his clothes look different like just this is not the man i said i do to almost 11 years ago we live for the kingdom now and that was not our life because of jesus christ and what he
1: did on the cross i can now lead my family the way he leads me
2: because of because of what jesus christ did and the legacy that he left for us we want to be kingdom-minded people and we want to raise kingdom-minded children as well for the kingdom of God.
1: And leave that same legacy for them. Yeah, with the Shannon Houses. And now is our story. That was our story.
0: <laughs> Heaven is going to be really super cool. Certainly beats the alternative, I promise you. But Jesus isn't just up there saying, can't wait for you to show up. He's working right now today, every day, until you get there, doing something new. The entire message was actually an introduction to this moment. That's the way it was written. Don't worry, I'm not gonna preach another 30 minutes. And don't raise your hand to answer this question. How many of you are tired of the same old, same old you? Same old problems, same old feelings, same old you. What I think God wants to do here today is to do something new in your life. So I want every single person here to think of the one thing, just one that you want God to make new in your life right now. Something that's broken, that you needed to carl for long ago, you couldn't fix, you couldn't solve. You've begun to think it's just the way it's got to be. I can't do anything about it. The one thing you want God to make new in your life. Everybody got it? Let me pray for you. God, we thank you that you have been a miracle working God from the beginning. You miraculously, saved us from our own sins through sending your son raising him from the dead God everything that you've done you have shown your power to be greater than what we face in this world so right now God we lift up to you whatever this struggle is whatever the issue is whatever the brokenness is that we say God this is the one thing I want you to make new God, your word promises if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. And so God, right now, I pray you meet every single one of us, both in this room and those online. Meet us right now. Answer the hearts of your people. God, would you make new that which is broken. And God, today, we just thank you for your goodness. You are so worthy of our praise. If you're just in a place of prayer, I want to close by speaking to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. You know we've been talking all day about the good news of being forgiven and going to heaven and we've used that phrase you're a new creation if anyone is in Christ what that means is this isn't true of all humans it's not a promise for all humanity it is true of those who have a relationship with Jesus a personal one one where time compressed and you in 2022 looked at Jesus 2,000 years ago hanging on the cross Your eyes meet, and He says, I'm doing this for you. And you say, Thank you. I receive that. Will you be my King? If you've never made that exchange, we call it the free gift of salvation. I want to help you do that right now, wherever you are, whether you're online in your living room or you're in this room, if you would simply say something like this to yourself and to God Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so today, I choose to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. In my prayer here today, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you make me into something new? And would you give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom? Amen. Would everybody help me celebrate with this people?